As we begin today, I want you to think about your name. Does your name have a meaning? Now, in our culture, in our day, we don't give as much uh, thought to naming our children based on uh, character and that kind of thing. We tend to pick names that we like, maybe names that are popular. Uh, my name, Douglas, I understand, means uh, black water. So <laughs> I don't know if my parents uh, had anything in mind when they decided to name me that. But we know that in the uh, scripture, names are very important. Uh, and and people have different names, right? We know Israel, Jacob. Jacob means the deceiver, but then God changed his name to Israel. We think of Peter, whose uh, name was Simon or Simeon and Cephas, and then Jesus changed his name to Peter, Petros, Rock. And we see that kind of thing all through the scripture, people being named things because of uh, something that God is going to do, or some attribute uh, that God gives them, that kind of thing. Today, we're going to talk about Jesus, and the word Jesus means uh, he saves, or God saves, Yeshua saves, but we're going to see that he has another name that is very, very significant, and uh, it is a glorious passage. So welcome, everybody. Glad you're with us. Good morning, Jenny. And I saw uh, before I logged on here that uh, Keith and Martha made it to, uh, to YouTube, and Martha's got a coffee. That's great. We're glad you're with us. If you are new, my name is Doug, and uh, we gather every Monday through Friday right here at 7.30 a.m. Mountain Time, uh, live on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. And uh, we study the Word of God together to renew our minds and, and be transformed so that we're not conformed to the world. And one of the things I like to do is dig in and help you know the Word, but also how to study the Word for yourself. So that's what we do here. Glad you're with us. Uh, before we dive into Philippians, let me remind you that today is a good day. Today really is a good day. It's a good day because the mercies of the Lord Jesus are new every morning. And he's blessed us with so much. And he's promised an inheritance that is undefiled and unperishable waiting for us. So it's a good day. So let's declare together that we believe that this is a good day. You ready? I will say the, the front part and then you say your part after me. This is the day the Lord has made. I hope you said it out loud because I'm not sure it really takes if we don't say it out loud. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning, Sherry. Glad that you are with us as well. So Philippians, we yesterday looked at um, Philippians, a section in Philippians chapter 2, where we talked about Jesus humbling himself, even to the point of dying on a cross. And he took the shame and the reproach of the cross. And it was a, the most ignominious uh, death that a person could possibly experience. Today, we're going to see that is not the end of the story. So uh, look with me at Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. We'll start at verse 9 here. For this reason also, remember this is one of those phrases we talked about yesterday. Whenever you see a therefore, you need to stop and say, what is the therefore, therefore? Well, the same kind of thing with this phrase, for this reason. For what reason? Well, what I just said that Jesus humbled himself even to the point of dying on the cross. For that reason also, God highly exalted him. God raised Jesus up and bestowed on him, bestowed on Jesus, 
the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, you are probably familiar with this passage. We know that everyone is going to submit to the Lord Jesus someday. That's what it says here. But there is something so amazing about this text that if you're unfamiliar with the Old Testament, you will miss it. So before we dive into exactly what this means for Jesus, I want us to see this. And I I woke up this morning, I was thinking, how do I capture how astounding this is. We're so familiar with this concept. Jesus is Lord. You know that. If you've been a Christian any time at all, you know this. But for Paul to draw this conclusion is, is really amazing. Uh, we'll go on and see in chapter 3 down the road that you know Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. He was a Jew of Jews. He was an expert in the law. He was an expert in the Old Testament. So he knew all that God had revealed and and claimed about himself from the Old Testament. He knew it very, very well. So for him to say what he just said about Jesus is astounding. Now that I've (laughs) built it up that much, I'll see if I can make it pay off. Uh, Again, we're so familiar with this now that it it may not blow your mind uh, like it uh, would have a Jew at the time. But think back with me. To your knowledge of the Old Testament, what is it that offended God more than anything else? Do you know? Let Let me give you a moment to put in the chat if you can answer that question. What was the big one? What was the great sin that angered God? We know a lot of things made him angry. Uh, the, the Israelites were a sinful, wicked people. Uh, they grumbled, they complained. Do you remember uh, when God brought them out of Egypt and then they said after a little while, oh, could we go back in Egypt where we were slaves because at least there we had good food and so on. And, and God was pretty angry at them for that complaint. But there, there's one offense, one sin that outranks them all in God's mind. You know what it is? Let me give you just a moment and see if anybody wants to venture a guess here. Uh, by the way, if you're on Facebook or YouTube, I can see your your comments in the chat. Uh, so uh, now, you, now Twitter, I can't, but if you're on YouTube or Facebook, I can see those. So anybody have a have a thought as to what is sort of at the top of the list of violations of God's law? And I say that to give you a little hint, what's at the top of the list when you think of God's law in the old covenant? What is the very first thing on that list? (laughs) Uh, Keith says, started worshiping idols. Excellent. Yes. You remember the Ten Commandments? These 10 words that were uh, given to Israel as the foundation of their covenant. Number one on God's list is, you shall have no other gods before me. Martha got it too, idolatry. Yes, no other gods. That's first and foremost with God and his people Israel. And it's true today as well. But for the Jews, he emphasized that. And the second one is similar. Thou shalt make no graven images. 
wasn't so much the the carving of something that bothered him, but the uh, other nations at the time would take pieces of wood or pieces of rock and they would carve them into images of created things and then bow down before them and worship them as though these things that they made with their own hands were God. And God wanted to make sure that the Jews would not follow this wickedness of the, na- of the nations. And so he said, number one, have no gods besides me. Number two, don't make anything uh, that you could uh, manufacture with your hands and carve it into the image of something so you're not tempted to worship it. Right? So you know that. Very good. So God said this over and over and over again, and the prophet Isaiah records several of these. And let me uh, let me show you a couple of these in Isaiah, starting in verse uh, f- verse eight of chapter forty-two. He says, "I am the Lord," and if you notice here, it's capital O, capital O, uh, sorry, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. In our English Bibles, that all uppercase letters means the uh, English is translating the word Yahweh. Yahweh is the name that God gave to Moses when he delivered the Jews. He said, tell them, I am sent you. That is the word Yahweh. So whenever you see the Lord in all caps, that is, is Yahweh. I am. I am. I am. Basically, the Lord is saying, that's my name. I'll let that sink in. Yahweh is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. You see how emphatic this is? God says, I have a name and I won't give it in to anybody else. And I won't give my glory to anybody else. Lock that in. I have a name. It's Yahweh. And I won't give my glory to anybody else. A little bit later, he says this in chapter 43. I, even I am the Lord, that is Yahweh. And there is no savior besides me. I'm it, he says. I'm the Lord. And only I can save you. Chapter 44. Thus says the Lord, Yahweh the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. See that here? The Lord of the armies. That's what the Lord of hosts means. The Lord of the armies of heaven, the angels, the legions of angels that submit to his command. Uh, The Lord says, that's me. I'm the King of Israel. I'm the top ruler of Israel. I redeem Israel. I am the first and I am the last and there is no God besides me, none. And he goes on and he lists through the, uh, or he states through the rest of chapter 44 here, he talks about idolatry. He, he mocks the nations and, and even Israel, that they would go out and cut down a, a tree and they would, they would cut the, the tree in half and they would take half of that tree and they would chop it up into firewood and burn a fire and warm their hands. Then they would take the other half of that tree and they would carve it into a graven image and bow down before that as God. And he mocks them. He says, what kind of idiots are you? 
I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's basically the sentiment he's, he's using. What kind of fools are you that you would take a tree and burn half of it and then you, using your own hammer and chisel, would carve it into this image and bow down before it as though it's God. You're so foolish and caught up in your ridiculous idolatry that you don't even recognize that you are the one that made that image. How can that be your God if you made it? No, no. I am the God who created you. You didn't make me. He goes on in chapter 44 and it's, uh, it's pretty amusing the way he mocks their idolatry. Then in chapter 45, he says, I am the Lord. There is no other besides me. There is no God. Do you think God is trying to get something through to Israel in Isaiah here? There is no other God. Stop chasing after other gods. Stop thinking there are other gods. Stop giving glory to other gods. I'm it. Period. There is no other besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun, there is no one besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I'm the one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. God says, I do that. I, I form light and darkness. I cause good things and I create calamity, storms, tragic things. Uh, here yesterday in Colorado Springs, we had an intense windstorm. It blew over the gate to our fence and we actually got it pretty easy. Uh, my family was sending me pictures from all over the, the city as huge trees were uprooted by the wind. They, they said it was going to get up to 100 mile an hour. There's a, uh, a picture that I found on, on, uh, from one of the new, local news stations of a semi that just fell over in the middle of the interstate here. And we, of course, had the devastating tornado last week in the, in the Midwest. And, and we know of uh, these uh, acts of God that occur over and over and over again. God says here, I do all that. I am the God who creates all of these things, and there is no other. Down here in verse 12, he says, It is I who made the earth and created man upon it. I stretched out the heavens with my hands, and I ordained all their host. We'll skip down a little further here to verse 18. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, he is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord. There is none else. I mean, how many different ways and times can he say there is no other God besides me, Yahweh. You see that? I am Yahweh and there is no one else. I've not spoken in secret in some dark land. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, seek me in a waste place. I, the Lord, speak righteousness, declaring things that are upright. And he goes on, and I'm going to skip down here to verse 22. He makes this appeal. Turn to me. Now, who's the me? It's Yahweh, the only God. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God, there is no other. I have sworn by myself the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and will not turn back. And here's what he has sworn. 
that to me every knee will bow and every tongue will swear allegiance. Who is the one before whom every knee will bow and every tongue will swear allegiance? Yahweh, God, the God, besides whom there is no other God. God is angry with anyone who claims there is another God besides him. He says, no, every knee in the whole universe is going to bow to me. You see where this is going? Paul in Philippians says, because Jesus went to the cross, lived a life of humility, and that all culminated in the shame and reproach of the cross, God highly exalted Jesus and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name. What is the name that is above every name? It's not Jesus. It's Lord. God gave Jesus the name Lord, the title Lord. So that at the name of Jesus, this this of Jesus, not at the name which is Jesus, but the name of Jesus, of communicates possession. Jesus has a name. He possesses a name, the name Lord, so that at his name, Lord, every knee will bow. Do you see that? Paul is now attributing all those things we read in Isaiah to Jesus. This God who said, I will not give my glory to another. I am angry if you worship anyone besides me is now saying, Jesus is the one before whom you will bow. Jesus has this name that outranks every other name, the name Lord. Jesus is Lord. And every tongue will confess that, he says, Jesus Christ is Lord. There may be no clearer text in the entire Bible that Jesus is God. If you understand what God was saying in Isaiah, and now realize the New Testament says all of those attributes of God, of deity, are given to Jesus. That's even stronger than Jesus claiming to be God outright and saying, I am God. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. Jesus outranks everyone and everything in the universe. Remember he said that at the uh, resurrection in Matthew 28? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Given by whom? Given by the Father. Now, Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father and he is reigning and ruling over the universe. Everything that happens today on planet earth is at the decree of the Lord Jesus. Everything. Storms calm, clouds, sunshine, catastrophes, blessing, judgments, 
nations at war, nations at peace, births, deaths, diseases, all of it is under the reign and the rule of our Lord Jesus Christ. God has given him the supreme name, Lord. It's amazing. So a couple more things here. This text is telling us every knee will someday be on the dirt in obeisance to Jesus Christ. We need to bow now. If you're a Christian, you have bowed now. The fundamental confession of the Christian is Jesus is Lord. Remember what Paul said to the Romans in chapter 10? Everyone who confesses with their mouth, what? Jesus is Lord. And believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead will be saved, will be delivered from God's wrath. If you confess Jesus as Lord today, if you bow the knee today, then you'll be spared from his wrath that is coming. If you don't bow the knee today, then someday, the scripture says, he will return. Jesus is coming back. He will leave his place at the right hand of the Father and come back to earth. And when he does that, at that point, every knee will be on the ground in honor of King Jesus. But if you haven't confessed him as Lord before that point, you'll be forced to the ground in worship. But then you'll be judged for your sin and punished forever. Waiting could cost you everything. We must bow the knee today and do it willingly and voluntarily and believe that he's the risen Lord and we'll be spared that wrath. But if you wait till judgment day to bow before him, it'll be too late. Someday every knee is going to bow and every tongue will say it. Even those who are denying him now, those who think Christianity is crazy, it's nonsense, those who are buying into evolution as the origin of our existence, those who are denying the truth of Christianity, they can say all they want to now that it's not real, it's not true. But one day, one day, their mouths will be compelled to say, we were wrong. Jesus is Lord. It'll be too late at that point to be saved from his wrath. But they will say it. They will acknowledge it. The day is coming when nobody can deny that God has exalted Jesus Christ as Lord of all. Last thing for today, this is how we glorify God the Father. How do we worship that God of the Old Testament? The one who said, I will share my glory with no one. Ah, there is no God besides me. How do we worship him? How do we glorify him? Only one way. By declaring Jesus Christ is Lord. Sometimes people will ask me, do we and the Jews worship the same God? No, we don't. Jesus himself said, no one can get to the Father except through me. 
Because the Jews reject Jesus, they do not worship the one true God. Some people say, well, don't we in the Muslims worship the same God? Allah, that's just the, uh, their name for God. And they, they acknowledge the veracity of the Old Testament, sort of. No, we do not worship the same God. There is one God. His name is Jesus Christ. And he possesses the name above all names, Lord you don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord, you don't glorify the Father. This is why we have to preach the gospel, why we have to call people to honor Jesus, because he's Lord. And that's the only way to honor God is to worship Jesus as Lord. So in this Christmas season, and indeed in every season, our fundamental confession is this child who was born, lived a perfect life, died on the cross in shame, but he rose again to power and he's the king. And we honor him today and every day as Lord. Let that, let that roll around. Our names mean something. Jesus is, is the name given to this this human who is God in the flesh. And that name, Jesus, means he saves. And that is wonderful to reflect on the fact that our, our Lord saves us. But we also need to remember he has another name that is Lord. He's the king. He reigns and rules. So friends, today, as you go throughout this day, this great day in the joy of your salvation, enjoying all that he brings about, then some of it may be hard. Some of it may be very hard. Some of us may come to the end of this day and think, whoa, that was a lot. That was severe. Others of us will put our head on our pillow tonight and just say, oh, we've been so blessed. And some of us will be in somewhere in between. In all of this, let us be sure to remember There is one Lord. He will not share his glory with another. He's the one who has created you. He is the one for whom all is created. He's the one who is sovereignly bringing all things to pass. And that one, his name is Jesus the Christ. Grace and peace to you today in his name. Have a great day. We'll see you right back here tomorrow morning to continue our study of Philippians.